Welcome to another UCTV.TV podcast presented by University of California Television. Cinema was just a window open to another world. The world of civilization, the world of light, the world of freedom. Every time you see Fellini along La Strada, even if there is no question of fascism, of political position, you feel something against the black part of life. Hello, Los Angeles. Um, my name is Jonathan Demi, and I'm in snowy New York. Um, I wish, not just because of the blizzards, that I could be with you there today at this cosmically timed conference. Congratulations to Amy and all the people who have worked so hard to make this thing possible. I had planned on being there today with you. I had hoped to be there. I expected to be there. And um, work here in New York um, made it impossible for me to, to get out of town. Um, but even better, David Bell is in town. He is in Los Angeles. He is there with you today. Um, I can't think of a more um, crucial, fantastic person to be present um, at the conference. Um, wait till you hear what this guy has to say and what he has to show you. Um, David Bell, in my mind, is, is, is just um, uh, completely linked with Jean-Dominique um, in some really beautiful ways. Um, like Jean-Dominique, David Bell, who I know, um, uh, has a passion for Haiti and the Haitian people, um, and a deep belief in the potential um, uh, for a better Haiti um, in the future. He, like Jean, refuses to give up, and, and I support this vision tremendously. Um, David also shares Jean's um, just feverish um, belief that, and conviction that without Haitian filmmakers, making films about Haiti to be seen by Haitians and by people all over the world, the country can never um, um, move up to what the country is capable of. Um, Jean, back in the 60s, did lots of things to provoke and stimulate this idea um, of a, um, a generation and uh, subsequent generations of Haitian filmmakers. Um, in 
the, in The Agronomist, I'm so proud that we have um, one of the very first really important, really masterful uh, films made in Haiti by a Haitian filmmaker, and that's Anita, that's directed by the very brilliant Rasul Labouchin. Um, uh, if Jean were alive today, Jean would be just so freaked out, thrilled beyond belief, proud, bragging all over it in what's going on at the Cine Institute in Jacques Mel. This is Jean-Dominique's dream come true. Generation now, which will be followed by other generations, of young Haitians, tremendously engaged, tremendously creative, uh, making, uh, capturing what's going on in Haiti today, and um, making films that will be seen, are already being seen, all over the world. From the Jacques Mel Film Festival uh, emerged the idea of the Cine Institute of Jacques Mel. Um, by the time that idea uh, was something I was hearing about, um, I knew it was going to happen because David Bell was involved and because it was in Jacques Mel, which is one of the, the great, great creative centers on the planet. Um, with, uh, with great Jacques Millions ready to, to, to uh, express themselves in a 21st century way now through cinema. Um, I've seen the great work, again, um, that, that the Institute, the students have created so far. It's, it's just amazing. Um, hopefully you will see some of that today. I'm probably being a little repetitious here. But um, I just want to say that I'm so proud and grateful to have this opportunity to introduce um, you who have assembled for this incredible conference to be able to introduce you to Mr. David Bell. Thank you so much. David Bell. So my name is David Bell. I'm the founder of uh, Cine Institute, Haiti's only film school. And um, I want to share with you all the uh, amazing talent and ability of, uh, abilities of, uh, of Haiti's youth. about why we started the film school. One was to give Haitian youth a powerful new medium from which they could express themselves and um, add balance to uh, what is predominantly very negative reporting about Haiti. And then the second one was to create jobs for Very quick background. It seems kind of ridiculous to talk about um, a film industry in a place like Haiti, but in fact it's not. The third largest film industry in the world is in Nigeria. It's called Nollywood. It's a $750 million industry. They make films for nothing, and they distribute them direct to DVD on the heads of market women who sell them in marketplaces for cheap. Everyone can afford them. So here's a scene from uh, first-time director. A, um, just I'm going to play a piece of uh, one of his uh, films. Parce que nos derniers concours beauté a eu dit que je Qui fait C'est pas vous poser devant moi. Je suis un photographe. Je suis un vertige. 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 Je su
qu'on a dit, il va reprendre. Désiré seulement, soit chercher à voir je ne dans des, on va occuper. Moi là c'est moi qui celles en nous, on va gagner maman, on va gagner papa. Pas jamais goûter, même nous cherchons un bagage sérieux pour faire. Sandrine, vous avez besoin de courage, vous entendez? Parce que m'a toujours participé dans le concours beauté. Les Ilia, tout le monde n'a pas pensé qu'il était tout pas droit. Mesdames et messieurs, notre gagnante, Miss Désilia Diepisson! Yeah! Ok, Désilia, mets-toi à aller, moi, je travaille pour me faire. So a very simple scene. Neither had acted before, and um, as you can see, it's using a neighbor's uh, 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 home as a location. Um, you know, don't write it if you can't have access to it. Replace the Range Rover with a donkey. <laughs> right? Um, so the earthquake was, we've heard a lot about the earthquake. Um, we uh, had to, uh, both of our buildings were really badly damaged and moved out immediately. And luckily, none of our staff or students were, were killed. And they um, immediately salvaged their cameras and got to work in community journalism. And many of them have said the earthquake was like a master class in documentary and journalism. Um, our focus had really been about commercial filmmaking. Um, and they all uh, felt the tremendous power and responsibility that, that um, journalism and, and documentary has. Um, and so uh, there are 1.5 million homeless people in Haiti, and there are uh, camps everywhere. Um, every open available space is, um, is being squatted by people who, in most cases, don't even have tents. Um, they just have tarps. And, and um, when the news cycle settled, the students decided that one thing they wanted to do in the spring was to really follow a life in a camp. Um, so I'm going to show an excerpt from the film that they shot there uh, last spring. They lived in the camp for four months. And this premiered at the, um, uh, the, the uh, Amsterdam Film Festival um, in Europe this fall. Jean-Louis, 
Very part of his being, bless this mother, Father, help him to sense your presence, but to see your presence as well in very real and tangible ways. Maman, yo tellement pas bien manger yo. Est-ce que au est timide? Il y a plus de vitamine là dedans. Même c'est Charles Charles. C'est un leader souterrain. Et pas mon bâtiment leader, c'est eux-mêmes qui choisissent. Charles 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 Charles
côté nous devons mettre ensemble pour faire une chaîne de solidarité, pour aucun médium. Nous allons faire ça, nous allons faire une fâche à l'autre, nous allons Hi, I'm a native of Port-au-Prince and I've lived there most of my life. On January 12, 2010, I experienced the violence of the earthquake inside my house, nearly crushed by the heavy furniture that was collapsing around me. I ran outside for safety, and when the shaking stopped, there was silence. I saw a cloud of dust rising from all sides, and then thousands of people screaming hysterically. My life changed that day, as did the life of most Haitians. That is why today I will talk to you about our country, the extraordinary people who live in it, and the culture that makes them able to overcome, time and time again, extreme challenges with courage and dignity. In the days after the earthquake, Port-au-Prince looked like an anthill stumped by a giant foot. People were everywhere digging the ground for their loved ones or strangers, carrying them to hospital on wheelbarrows, on doors, or on their backs. Our government was nowhere, but everyone else was busy. Most of us taking care of people we hardly knew or had never met before. Here are the stories of some people whose paths crossed mine in these terrible days. Edwidge Vaughan, a restaurant owner in Pétionville, volunteered at a hospital in the first hours after the quake. In the absence of hospital employees, most of them unable to come to work. She mopped the blood-covered floors and did everything else they used to do. She also gave shelter in her house to two dozen people left homeless and fed them for the next two months. One day in February, I saw Edwidge in a restaurant having lunch with a friend. She was holding in her hand a photograph. I got a glimpse of the photo. It showed a girl with braided hair, a pencil in hand, doing her homework. That face touched me. I wanted to know her story. And here's what I learned. Saida had been tutored in school on the 12th of January when the school collapsed. As soon as her mother, Mary Salvani, could get out of her house, surrounded by the rubble of collapsed building, she ran to the school. For hours she called Saida. There was silence. And then in the early hours of the 13th, she heard a voice. Saida was singing. People in the neighborhood dug her out. She had very bad head and leg injuries. Mary Salvani carried her in her arms until she saw a minister truck. She begged them to take her daughter to a hospital. They agreed to take the girl, but they had no room in the truck for the mother. They said to meet them at the Argentinian military hospital. After a month of going there every day, 
Marie Salvani could not find out how or where her daughter was. She decided to go to every hospital in the Port-au-Prince area by foot. She even went to Gonaïve to a camp where orphan children had been taken. She still had no clue where her daughter was. She started asking for help. Edwidge joined in the search and then me. For three months, the search went on to the UN log, UNICEF, back to the Argentinian hospital, then to the Red Cross. Family abroad joined in and contacted other organizations. Thanks to the International Red Cross, in late May, Saida was found in Martinique. She had been flown there by French doctors on the 13th of January, treated and then given to a foster family who wanted to adopt her. Every day, Saida asked for her mother and begged for a phone call to her. The family took good care of her, bought her clothes and books, but never let her call her mother. Saida was finally reunited with her family in April. On Mother's Day, I met Marie Salvani and Saida for the first time. Another story is the story of Patrick Villers. He is an engineer and a very talented sculptor. In the hours after the quake, he started digging the rubble for people. He found many alive, but also uh, found many people dead. Some of them were his friends. When the foreign crews of train rescue teams arrived, he went on to the salvaging of the three largest book collections in Haiti. Digging, cleaning, boxing, storing, until he was done. I had been to the St. Trinity Cathedral many times in my life. It was an extraordinary church with its mural and clay bas-reliefs by, master by masters of Haitian art. In these murals, Christ, the Virgin Mary, and the disciples were not depicted as white people. It was now a mountain of rubble with six of the seven bells scattered on top. A few things were still standing, though. Four walls with murals and, miraculously, three of the most gorgeous clay panels untouched. I learned that the church has, had already scheduled the bulldozers to clean up the rubble. I called Patrick and offered to take care of the church negotiations and permissions if he would do the digging and rescuing of the art. With Bishop Duracin's blessing, Patrick went to work. Many treasures were found in the rubble. The three large clay panels still standing were saved. And the Smithsonian Center in Port-au-Prince is now working on saving what is left of the murals. It had, I'm sorry, I have to breathe for a second. I had first been to the Museum of Haitian Art a week after the quake with New York Times journalist Mark Lacey and photographer Mike Appleton. We found the main room littered with bits of concrete and masterpieces like Wilson Bigot's Adam and Eve and a very beautiful Rigaud Benoit under sand and rubble. In the absence of the director, the museum employees, afraid it might be dangerous, had never entered the room. 
The journalists and I carried what we could to a cleaner part of the museum and left. A month later, I went back and nothing had changed. The art was still lying on the floor, rubble everywhere. I was upset, but there were more urgent matters to attend, so life went on. Three months later, I visited the museum again. Nothing had changed in the main room. The director was still absent and had not sent any instructions to his employees. I learned that the door to the storage room was jammed, and I could see some water leaking from the ceiling above it. I called Patrick again and offered to get the writer's authorizations from the bishop and the board if he would get to work once more. Within a few weeks, Patrick had cleaned, photographed, and inventoried all the art in the main room. He had fixed the door to the storage room, cleaned and inventoried the art there, fixed the shelves that had collapsed, and repaired the leakage. He did all the work with his crew but never failed to include the museum employees, giving them a renewed sense of pride by talking to them about the fact that they were guarding the largest and most important Haitian art collection in the world. While busy with this very important task, he took the time to organize a canteen to make sure that everyone working, whether a museum employee or a member of his crew, was provided with a good hot meal every day. Patrick's wife was kidnapped two weeks ago and thankfully released unharmed two days later. My love and respect for my Haitian people, for my fellow Haitians, had grown during this horrendous year. It was like seeing them for the first time. I've always been proud of them and I've always loved them, but during these trying times I was amazed at the beauty and grace of my people. Their kindness and strength and the spirit, and the spirit they expressed when they were singing from under the rubble. I remember that André Pierre said once that this country is like an accordion. At times it is small and at times it's very big. It is the spirit of the people forged by centuries of resistance that makes this country big and the contribution of its culture important to the world. A nation that produces such people cannot be the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. Our wealth is our people and our culture. A people that changed the face of the earth in the 19th century, a culture that gives people the spirit to resist different forms of oppression through religion, music, dance, and painting. Oppression from the most brutal slave system in the history of slavery, oppression from the American occupation and its racist rule, oppression from the Duvalier dynasty, and the democratically elected tyrants that followed. It is a culture where most people are illiterate, but in spite of that fact, it produces a large number of great writers. In 2009, 12 of those writers received important international literary prizes. It is a culture that gave the world in the century Hector Hippolyte, Rigaud Benoit, Georges Lyoteau, the Saint-Solé painters and Mario Benjamin, and more. We have contribu contributed a great deal to the history of the world and continue to do so. 
it is time for us to hear more about our great heroes, writers, painters, and less about our corrupt politicians and our criminals. Culture is what keeps Haiti alive. We, the people of Haiti, deserve respect. We want our votes to count, and we want our voices to be heard loud and clear. Ça c'est joie mounio, ça c'est blague. Oh no, what is ange? Les petit à moi, joie à moi. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.